Hey there, MuggleCast listeners. I am back to inform you of some excellent news. GoDaddy.com is having better deals than ever. For only $3.59 a month for 12 months, you can get GoDaddy.com's economy package. And with 250 gigs of bandwidth, 5 gigs of storage, and up to 500 email accounts, you can get your own website up and running with success. And as usual, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Today's MuggleNet podcast is brought to you by Borders. In May, thousands of Harry Potter fans descended upon New Orleans for the Phoenix Rising Conference. Borders was there to take in the sights and share a lively discussion of the series that has bewitched the world with some of Harry's most dedicated fans. Listen in to watch the action yourself. Check out the Phoenix Rising Borders book club discussion at BordersMedia.com slash Harry Potter or click on the Borders banner at the top of the MuggleNet page. Nearly two years, over 50,000 fans, and exactly 99 episodes later, this is MuggleCast episode 100 for July 21st, 2007. There, are we live? Hello, everybody. How are you? Okay. So you're all ready to go and be beamed around the world in front of at least 10 million people, are you, everybody? Yes. I think that's wonderful. Well, hello. Now my name is Rubius Hagrid, keeper of grounds and keys at Hogwarts. But you knew that anyway, didn't you? Did you? Do we have any witches amongst us? Do we? Hands up if you're a witch. Anybody a witch over here? Oh, that's nice. There's quite a few of them. That's lovely. Hands up if your mother is a witch. Okay, I see a few married ones here, so we ought to say, hands up if your mother-in-law is a witch. We've got a few. It's nice to see you. And we're going to have a wonderful time tonight. I'm going to go lie down in a dark room and get ready to see the fate of Rubius Hagrid. But there's a problem. There is a thief in the audience, everybody. As someone has stolen this man's hair. He spent all morning doing his hair and then he came out without it, didn't you? Well, nice to see you, my friend, and thanks for coming tonight. And all these people in the front row, you must be the rich people, are you? I'm glad we're all tuned in together, everybody. You're great, great people over here. Now, would you like to meet the MuggleNet panel, everybody? Yes? Okay. Now, I'm not sure just if we've actually gone live now or not. But anyway, I don't give a monkey's view, everybody. But let's just see how loud every single person can clap their hands at the same time. Clap. Now that, that was absolutely rubbish, everybody. Now, you see, uh, you're going to show some enthusiasm, but not just cheer, but don't cheer, just clap. Clap. Okay. That's better. Now you got to cheer. Cheer. Now you're going to clap your hands and cheer at the same time. Go. 
Okay. So when I say every each one of their individual names, that's the sort of reaction we want from each of them because they're absolutely nervous. They've drunk all sorts of muggle juice while they're waiting in the wings. So first of all, we have a wonderful guy by the name of Jamie! There's our lovely Jamie. Nice to see you, Jamie. And then an even bigger cheer now you've warmed up for Andrew! Nice to see you too. Oh dear. Now then, could you cheer for our Eric? (laughs) We want love, don't we, everybody? (laughs) Nobody ever loves me, do they? It's not fair, is it? I I know, I I know, I know. What about Laura? Oh! Chase me, Laura, chase me. Oh, come on. Oh, a lovely dress. She got a lovely dress, everybody. Bless you. You look lovely. Give her a big cheer. That's how I love you. Shall we introduce you as well? What do you think? I guess. I think, I guess. Okay, then. Well, ladies and gentlemen, shall we introduce the last but not least, shall we? The last one of all, give a great big cheer. And all you people at the back, you're going to go wild. For the one and only, Kevin! Come on, Kevin. Big hugs, big loves, Kevin. Nice to see you. Now, listen over here. I'm going to go on one of my computers and watch this from a big screen. So from me, Rubius Hagrid. I'm going to leave you with a panel now. Have a wonderful time tonight, and I'm sure we'll see you a lot throughout the night. I'll see you later on. Bye-bye, everybody. Good luck, guys. Thank you, Hagrid. Round of applause for Hagrid, everybody. Ben would be, uh, ben would be very jealous. I'm sure one of his lifelong dreams is to become a real-life Hagrid. But welcome, everyone, to the live MuggleCast podcast episode 100! Oh my gosh, you know, it was, it was two years ago in August when, uh, okay, can't hear what you're saying, hi, hi everyone in the back, hello everyone on the fifth floor, uh, you know what, actually it's this camera over here, hello everyone on the fifth floor, hey, get your cheering upstairs, <laughs> alright, alright, uh, so it was two years ago that we decided to start this uh, little podcast, and who, who, who listened from August 2005 on? A select few. No, not everybody was very sure about the podcast. Uh, everyone was like, what's a podcast? Some people still ask us, what's a podcast? Well, just listen. How about that? So um, we're here now, and we're celebrating our 100th episode. And what a better place to be than right here in Waterstones, the largest bookstore in England, if I'm correct. Is that right? In Europe. In Europe, England, same thing. And, um, <laughs> or not. I don't, know. I don't know my geography. So... <laughs> Of course, uh, we're all here. Ben and Emerson are in Chicago reporting for us, and Mike is in New York City. So uh, there are a few things we want to talk about, obviously. Obviously, we need to warn you first. No spoilers, okay? Nobody spoil us or anyone else in the audience, because that's the last thing we want to hear. We're so close. We... There was, a, there was a terrible, terrible leak that happened a few days ago, and then just the other day, the New York Times posted their review, and even Joe commented on it, uh, so that wasn't very good. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, 
okay, so no spoilers, seriously. We're, we're three hours and 44 minutes uh, until the big release, so we, we, can, all, we can all wait. <laughs> there are more cheering from upstairs. So, <laughs> all right, so, Jamie, how did this whole thing start for you back in... Did you start reading back in 97, or was your teacher... I, I was in... Um, wow, that sounds weird hearing my voice that loud, actually. Um, I actually started back in high school, secondary school, for all you Americans out there, and I know there are some. Good. Who's been reading the book since 97? Uh, or who started reading in 97? Yeah, a few people. A few people. Now, um... What's that? Um, I, I started when... Yeah, when I was in secondary school, our teacher came in. And she brought the book. And, you know, when you're in your first year of secondary school, you're like, story time, that's so last year, you know, and everything like that. So everyone's like, well, I don't want to listen to, the, to this teacher read this book. And teachers think they're so good at doing impressions, and they're not at all. But even, even though my teacher couldn't do it at all, I really enjoyed the book. So we read the first chapter, then the next day we read the second chapter, third chapter, fourth chapter, and I got hooked, as, as did everyone else in my class. So then I went and bought the second one, third one, fourth one, and the rest, as I say, is history. Laura, how about you? Um, I actually received the first three books for my 11th birthday in 1999, so I thought that was very fitting that it was age 11. Um, At that time, I really didn't read as much as I should have, and I think that's one thing that Harry Potter has really done for me and a lot of people, is it's really made us enjoy literature. Um, I burned through those books in the space of a week, and for an 11-year-old, I think that's fairly astonishing. Yeah. Eric, how about you? Uh, I was actually at first a little bit skeptical, um, about the books. I, like Laura, didn't really read too much yeah. um, at the time. But uh, I went with a friend and uh, his mother uh, who took me to see the first movie when it came out in November of 2001. So, yeah. not nearly been a fan as long as uh, some other people. But uh, the movie is what did it for me. Afterwards, I, I, was, I said, you know, what was that? Yeah. You know, yeah. because it was, it was amazing and I was hooked. So, I got the movie when, when it came out and I uh, leached off my friends for the books. Uh, first three books, and then I bought my own set of first four books uh, the day Gobble to Fire came out on paperback. So, Eric, uh, I hate to put you on the spot. You in the blue. Can you stand up, please? Can you stand up for just a second? Oh, Eric, no. I think, oh, has no. the same exact shirt. <laughs> oh, gosh. And he bought it for the podcast in L.A. in October, and we said, Eric, isn't that a woman's shirt? Because it was really tight against his body. <laughs> and we are like, Eric, are you just trying to show off your little muscle area here? But... Uh, now we see it. It is a, a women's shirt. Well, Thank I, you. I, I think it's, uh, to be fair, I think it's a, I, I, it was a youth size. Cause, cause yeah, I was at, it, was a, it was a women's shirt, right? Yeah. Let's just, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was unisex. <laughs> no, no. I'm pretty sure it was women. You don't understand, though, by tight. We don't mean tight. We mean, like, it was spray-painted onto his body. It was unbelievable how tight this thing was. <laughs> Kevin, lastly, how do you get in the books? I, I was actually given the books by my friend. Um, she gave me books one to three right before the release of Goblet of Fire. So I blew through those right before the release. I think it was one week I went through all three. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Um, when people talk about how long it takes them to read the book, it starts off really high, and then when they find out that everyone else has read it quicker than them, it suddenly comes down and down and down yeah. and down. So I'm sure when it first started, I read it in like three weeks, and now I read it in four hours or something like that. So. Yeah, there was that time that uh, many of you may have heard about on the show where he, uh, Jamie went on the BBC, and you said you were, <laughs> you were planning on reading the book, or the Phoenix, the longest book in the series, in how much time? In four hours. And, um, <laughs> I think, I think I didn't even start for four hours because we went to Burger King, I think, afterwards instead. Yeah. So. Yeah. so what's everyone's plans? As soon as you get the book, what are you doing? 
Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, are you... <laughs> Obviously. Are you reading together? I mean, what, what's happening with us is we're going to get the book here, and then, of course, we're going we're gonna to run back to the hotel room and all read together and actually read through. We're not going to stop. And then once we're done, we're going to uh, record an epi- a little episode of MuggleCast with, like, initial reactions and then throw that up for... And then we might sleep at yeah. some point. I don't actually, know. I've been napping all day to make up for it tonight. But, uh, okay, so there are a few things we want to talk about here. Uh, we do want to talk about the book. A few last-minute theories. I know all of you have them in your minds. Uh, we do want to go through a couple of questions first. Hand-raising uh, to see how many people think. Three questions. The thing about these questions is, since it's so close to the book, you know, people have been speculating over these things uh, for months, years. So we just want to find out what everyone thinks you know, on these three questions, three very, very important questions, and then we'll see in three hours, 14 minutes, right. if, you're, if you're right or not. So, uh, and you guys raise your hands too. Uh, first of all, Snape, good or bad? Uh, sorry, say Snape, <laughs> Snape, good. Raise your hand. Okay, that's a lot of people. You, Hopefully, you didn't read the spoilers. Not that I know, but uh, Snape, bad. Okay, so we have a Snape, good majority here. I assume it's the same on the fifth floor. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plead the fifth on this. I'm not gonna answer these questions now. Okay. I'm gonna abstain. Uh, Harry, live or die? Uh, Harry, live. <laughs> I'm bad at this. Okay. This might be a split. Harry, die. Are some people not raising their hand? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Undeclared, I guess we'll go for. Uh, Harry and Ginny getting together. Together? Not, not together. <laughs> Kevin. Uh, all right. Um, hmm. Interesting. Any other questions? Yes or no questions? No, I was going to say, those three questions I always thought are pivotal to the, to the book. Those are the three things that everyone asks. Is Harry going to die? Is Snape good or bad? Well, are Harry and Ginny going to get together? Yeah. Well, well one of the trio. Hmm? One of the trio died. One of the trio died. That's true, yes. too. Will anyone die? Obviously. No. <laughs> Joe's finally realized she hates death. Doesn't want to write about anyone dying, so it is a fairy tale now. Everyone lives happily ever after. That's yeah. the ending. So we're going to talk a few theories, then at the end of the show, we're going to get you guys to uh, voice your own theories. Laura has one we'll start with. Uh, she, jo- she like triple-checked this with us because she thought it might be a little out there. She didn't want to yeah. sound like a fool. Is, yeah. so. I-, I thought it might be a bit stupid, but um, hopefully you guys like it. So one of the big questions that everybody has had is, who was at Godric's Hollow the night the Potters were killed? Now, I was thinking it would be a complete twist if it was Dumbledore. Not because he's evil. I just saw, like, several eyes go very wide. But um, not because he's evil at all, but because he knew the prophecy was self-fulfilling and knew there was nothing he could do to stop their death, but that perhaps he could be there to help aid Harry in any way. Uh, Who, if you agree with that theory, hand in the air. Or I think it's feasible. Or think it's possible. Or, or even or a little possible. possible. Or I want to give Laura a chance, so I'll put my hand up. <laughs> or perhaps in a separate universe, it might happen occasionally, once in a while. Put your hand up for that one. Come on. <laughs> Anyone want to second her theory up here on the panel? Jamie, Eric? Uh, I think Kevin. it's good. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joe did say on her website, it's very um, important why Dumbledore had James's invisibility cloak because he returned it to Harry as we know in the, in the first book with a message that said uh, your father left this in my possession before he died but as we know or as we've heard from J.K.R. Dumbledore can turn invisible without cloak so yeah. Yeah. why was he with it? Good point. Eric, you got any crackpot theories or, or on this uh, subject? Not this part of the show. Okay, alright. 
So we'll, we'll get to more. We'll get to more theories later, unless anyone. I mean, we'll we'll just discuss everyone else's. We do want to talk a little bit about movie five since uh, we haven't talked about it enough. Not. So some of us haven't. Yeah, some of us haven't. That's true. Who who here? Uh, everyone's seen the fifth film, right? Order of the Phoenix. Oh, I see you heading out over here. Uh oh. No. Uh oh. Pickle Pack it. member has not seen the fifth film. Oh jeez. Okay, so um, everyone happy with it? Round of applause for the fifth film. Anything? Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was pretty good. Let's hear from people. Uh, Nigel. Who's Nigel? Who's Nigel? Yeah, who is the character Nigel? He's pointless. He's not even in the book. People are questioning who's. Yeah, they need their token cute little child. Do you know what happens with these? Lawrence. Uh, in these. Sorry. In these cases, when you see someone, you don't know who they are, and, um, and their acting is questionable, you usually find out they've got the same last name as the producer or the director. So I saw Good point. In like, Good point. Yeah, in, in Star Wars, there was this uh, Star Wars episode, was it, uh, three, when Anakin Skywalker is killing all of the, the, the young ones. There's this guy, this kid that comes up to him, and he's like, oh no, what are we going to do? And... Uh, I didn't check it, but I'm 100% sure his name was, like, John Lucas or something like that. So. It's not even that his acting was bad. It was the fact that there is no character called Nigel in the book. And so many other characters that they could have used instead of having someone called Nigel. Yeah. Which did make... We always go and watch the films together. And we were he was the cute little like, kid in... Who Dumb- is Nigel? <laughs> he was the cute little kid in Dumbledore's army. Give him a break. So he's listening to this podcast now. He's here in the audience, and now he's walking out down the elevator crying. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyway. Uh, in those cases, though, I think it tends to be the, the storytelling aspect of the movie, and the directors are making a choice to, to convert, you know, some characters, obviously, into one character. Yes, it's true, there is no Nigel in the books, um, but I, 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 when I saw the movie, I tried to focus more on the storytelling. I knew, you know, longest book into shortest movie, there were going to be plenty of things wrong with it, and I originally, you know, went into the movie thinking it was going to be bad, and I loved it, because I just focused on the storytelling, tried to see it as a movie, and, and unlike all the other movies, I really, really, truly liked it. I want to talk about. Oh, really? Yeah, it was my least favorite book. Like the film. I want to talk about one person because every person I speak to says, "Oh, I didn't like this character. I've never liked him." But I think Michael Gambon to me is Dumbledore. Does anyone agree with that? Anymore. I, I used to think so, and I've said on the show numerous times, I love Michael Gambon, he's an angry Dumbledore that's great, but now in the fifth film, I can't appreciate it as much. No, but what you're talking about, the one thing you're talking about, is that horrible line. No, I'm not everyone, talking about everyone that. Everyone almost got reduced to tears <laughs> and punched the TV screen when uh, Dumbledore walked away from Trelawney being sacked, and he said, all the students are around, and he's like, don't you have any studying to do? And he, he, like, he deserved to be shot yeah, for that line, I just can't get over it. Wait a minute, we're not... Advocating that. We aren't advocating shooting or anything of the like. He deserves something, though, for that. I just couldn't really get over Dumbledore being so angry. I wanted him to be a little more calmer. I miss Richard Harris now. I mean, he's, you know. A lot of people agree with this. I don't think it's only that. I think what it is is that. He has a power that Dumbledore is supposed to have, but he has none of like the quirkiness of Dumbledore. He's yeah. not personal in any way. So exa- exactly. Yeah, yeah, so you so you're looking no at him and going, "Wow, he would be really great if just he would, smile. you know, smile or <laughs> and, and a wink or something yeah. to to show some personal contact." Exactly. Yep. Ah, someone someone pointed that this out to me, or just wear the half moon glasses. Hmm? Wear the glasses. 
He was wearing glasses. Oh, you're right. Should have, yeah. gone, should have gone to Specsavers. <laughs> Specs. Yeah. Can I just can I just ask? Can everyone right to the back here? No. Can okay, everyone here? Yes. No. That sounds like a no. Well, can you uh, boost in the back or something, but yeah, still not to check. Megaphones. Okay, uh, so a few things we want to talk about with the movie: the battle scene. Okay, the battle scene I thought was unbelievable, and I've made this comparison so many times. If you listen to the show, you'll have known this comparison, but <laughs> I just think it's so good um, that I can't stop saying it. Has anyone seen the first Pokemon film? Has anyone seen it? <laughs> seen it? There's a, there's right, right at the end, Mew versus Mew two. Then there's a, they're, they're like throwing elements at each other, like throwing water, you, you know. And that's just what the, the Dumbledore um, Voldemort fighting was like. They were throwing things at each other. It was also like, um, and I've completely lost. Like, oh yeah, Captain Planet when they had a uh, different rings, you know. He's a hero. Sorry. The avatars. They were, they were fighting like the the last Airbender. There are water vendors and earth bending and fire vendors. That that was yeah, the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So that was good. Uh, anyone seen an IMAX yet? Is it playing an IMAX yeah. over here? I yeah. Think, yeah Do we even have IMAXs over here? I, <laughs> are we that far advanced? Yeah. <laughs> now, any of us? We haven't seen an IMAX yet. Nobody's really convincing us to go see it. I mean. I saw it the first time in IMAX and I was blown away. I thought it was really? amazing. Really. Some people said the effects were a little too digital. They were a little too unrealistic. Oh, yeah, the prophecies falling was crap. Really? <laughs> it was just like all these... It was rubbish. Really? But the rest of it was quite good. Okay. On that note about England, I told Laura uh, a few months ago that we only got electricity in the last five years, and she still doesn't believe me. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's unbelievable. But, uh, any other thoughts on the battle scene? It, it, it was good. Well, it didn't follow the book too much, good. so... Yeah. Well, when going into the... When I first went to see the movie, I was really nervous about the battle scene because I knew they had to use a lot of digital effects mm-hmm. because there's no way you can represent that scene. But I think they pulled it off quite well. Yeah. I mean, they really nailed it. Yeah. I thought so, too. And I have to clarify a little bit. Um, initially, when I saw the film, I really wasn't sure if I liked it. Um, at the L.A. podcast, I pretty much sat there and... Uh, was somewhat <laughs> negative about the film, but I did go and see it again, and I do quite like it now. Still not a fan of the serious death scene, but it'll do. It'll yeah, do. it'll do. You know, I was, I was kind of hoping that that maybe serious might make an appearance in book seven. And I guess it's still possible because the books don't necessarily follow the movies, but it is true. Whereas I did like the end battle scene in movie five, and... The thing, again, with making movies, the brain room and all the other rooms would have been interesting to see. When I was reading the book, and I, I read the books at that time, you know, so I, got, I was there when it came out, and I thought this would be, you know, that alone, the whole Department of Mysteries could be a two-hour movie easily. And it was interesting, but I, I really liked it. I, I, I thought it was a huge shame that Fawkes didn't come when Dumbledore was uh, fighting Voldemort, because I thought that underlines their connection completely, you know, and the fact that Fawkes would die for Dumbledore and that kind of stuff. I thought that was a big shame. Kevin? Well, what I was going to say about the, the serious death scene is that in order to explain the veil, it would have taken, like Eric said, a long time, probably 10, 20 minutes out of the film. And the reason why they used Avada Kedavra is it removes any doubt in someone who hasn't read the book, any doubt in their mind that he's dead. Exactly. Without yeah. having to explain what the veil is, without having to explain you know, that he's dying when going through the veil, 
It yeah. just completely. They, they took a lot of shortcuts in the movie. It, Take it for instance when that. Kevin, Kevin, is he dead? Yes. I, I no, 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 Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, 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 is I, he dead? I think so. Kevin, I don't think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but talking about serious, Gary Oldman in this film, I thought oh, did wonderful. Gary Oldman I, I, was great. I thought that was really Whoa, well. Hold on. Someone, uh, someone over here disagreed. You didn't like Gary Oldman? He's he's what? Too short? Oh, come on now. That's a, that's a, come on. That's that's judging. Serious, serious is is clearly clearly a few inches taller than than, than Gary Oldman. <laughs> well, I, Gary Oldman was great. He, he, his performance in Order of the Phoenix, I really liked. You didn't like it at all, or were you like, oh wow, you're holding up your tape measure? I don't like this guy. <laughs> Just like Umbridge in that scene with uh, Flitwick. Yeah. What about it? When when Umbridge measures oh, oh, Flitwick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, another character, uh, Luna Lovegood. Havana Lynch. Perfect. Havana is not here tonight. She's at uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, uh, oh. book event, The Natural... Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry, I didn't remember the name. But uh, that's a big event. We have a couple people from MuggleNet going... Jerry right here, just by coincidence, he works for MuggleNet, he, he got a ticket uh, just by putting his, your name in the hat, right? It can happen. It can happen. <laughs> so if you want his ticket, he'll be outside so you can, so you can mug him after the show. 50,000, you know? 50,000 hawking out. But what time do you have to be there? 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, so... There are some at 7 a.m. there. She's signing all night. She's, she's and you're been gonna very get, generous. And you're going to get, like, 1,200th uh, signature, so it's going to be, like, a line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> an, an X and a thumbprint. Yeah. Seriously, seriously, how is she doing that? 1,700? Well, she doesn't have anything to write anymore, you know. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> good point. She, she can go all out. Yeah, good point. <laughs> anyway, Vanna Lynch, uh, she was perfect in this role. I mean, she came into this movie as, as a fan, and everyone has just been so happy with, with her portrayal. Laura? Yeah, you know, we were talking about this a little earlier. And uh, amongst ourselves, we all agreed that every time she was on screen with any of the other actors, any of the trio, she took the screen away from them. She really, really did. She has got a knack. You were saying that one scene with the trio. The one scene with the trio, she, you said that she took away from it. I mean, no, no, she no, took away that, from them. I mean, every scene that she was in with them, it was just her presence sort, somewhat overwhelmed theirs. Like, she was, I, I thought she was actually better than them and what I think it was was that she nailed the character so, so much that you see the other characters and you know they're not Harry, they're not Ron. They're their portrayal, but she nailed Luna. So, so you see her and you just can't help but imagine the real Luna from the book. Yeah. I, I thought also that the scenes with Luna were Luna scenes, not necessarily in Ivana's acting power, which I thought, you know, she did do a great job. I thought those scenes, though, were dedicated to introduce the character and to further the character so that the audience did know that they were Luna scenes. So the narrative was focusing on Luna at those moments, but she still did an amazing job as, as Luna. Yeah, yeah, and Joe loved her, too, and everyone loves her, so yeah. she'll be back for... Uh, she told us that she's going to... The Quidditch scenes are back in Half-Blood Prince, and she's going to be commentating the games, so that's... <laughs> Are they going to have the lion hat? They so should. How could they not? Havana would make it herself, I believe. There was one of those at uh, 
Lumos. I definitely want the lion hat. Yeah, yeah. Lumos last year. It's a Harry Potter convention. They're seeing people are doing prophecy this year. There was someone walking around in that Luna yeah, hat. You and took and a picture yeah, of it. And the uh, earrings as well. And, uh, yeah. And, and like the carrot, you know, the, the carrot thing. It roared. Yeah. Sorry? She actually got a roaring. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did. It roared. How do you make one of those? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, Time. I was going to say one more thing, which I really didn't like about the film, because it underlines the entire Harry Potter books of the series, is when Harry went to Grim Old Place, and the uh, Fidelius charm, which is a very, a very complex piece of magic that requires deft skill, you know, concentration, magical power, age, wisdom, and you can't make it happen by tapping your stick once or twice. On the <laughs> and that reminded me of, for anyone who's seen Aladdin, Jafar. He looked yes. like Jafar at that point. And Mad-Eye Moody could not be further away from Jafar. He's, he isn't an evil sorcerer. He's not. He's not a bad person. You know, he's Actually, like Jasmine. I was, really in, thing. I was really into Aladdin as a kid, and I had one of those... Well, what was it called exactly? Uh, Jafar's Jafar Jafar staff. staff. Yeah, basically. Did you? Did you? And lit up eyes was really. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say, did you point it at people's eyes and hypnotize them and bring them under your Tried control? Tried to, but it didn't that. never work when I was trying to get some food. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, any other scenes we want to talk about or or portrayals? Uh, Kevin. Yeah. Umbridge. Oh yeah, Umbridge. Of course. Uh, Umbridge was perfect. Anyone see? Uh, I, I love this, and I, I love talking about it. The uh, me and Emerson were on the red carpet in L.A. And Harrison asked her, can you do a quick Mugganet thing? Did anyone see that? Anyone watch the video on Mugganet? Hilarious. I love that. Sorry. Okay. So anyway, back to Umbridge. Uh, her portrayal is perfect. I mean, you hate her. You just want to hit her by the time the film is done. She disgusted me, but I loved her at the same time. Now we're advocating shooting Dumbledore and hitting Umbridge. It's, uh, we're going all out of this reason, podcast. Jamie, I think hitting somebody is a little less serious than shooting them. <laughs> no, it, it depends. We shouldn't really get into this. This is completely off on a tangent, but it depends where you hit them. If, if, you, shoot them, if you shoot them in the foot and... A really hard punch to the like. If Hagrid punched me in the thing, I'd probably die. But if, <laughs> but if you shot me in the foot, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you, okay. you, you need to think outside the box, you yeah, say in yeah. this thing. <laughs> but speaking of box, or actually plates, the plates with the kittens on them in the movies, oh, yeah. the cute kittens. I, I I thought that was an extra step they took in the movie that really sold it for me. Was that they had you know photo shoots and and of actual kittens and they filmed so many of them and actually you know put them up against blue screens and who knows. What else yeah, they those did were all real cats. Those weren't digital effects. They actually got real cats in there and filmed every single one doing something. And yes, off the body in the uh, toilet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the at the uh, Order of the Phoenix after party in L.A., you would go into the bath. Someone told me about this beforehand, so I wasn't really surprised. But you go into the bathrooms there and. The, the cat portraits are on the wall. And not just that, they actually meow in the bathroom. So it's like you're, you're sitting there doing your thing, and then you just hear meow. That, that, is, that isn't weird. actually true. And you just got a bit drunk and stumbled onto the set and tried I to take away that. There was an open bar. I didn't go near it. Uh, so, Eric, any thoughts on Umbridge? Oh, what? Any uh, thoughts on yes, Umbridge? Yes. I'm sorry, I was paying attention. Um, the, no, uh, the Umbridge thing, it was brought to my attention. I really liked her in the movie, and I really thought it was well done. Uh, the only difference between the book and, and the movie that I recognized was that Umbridge um, was slight, seemed slightly unbalanced and slightly less sane in the movie. Uh, in Melda Stone's portrayal of her, um, she seemed you know, really unbalanced, like, I don't really like children, you know, and it was a great line and stuff. I was happy that they turned I must not tell lies into a catchphrase. In the movie, when Harry says, "Sorry, Professor, I must not tell lies." Yeah, yeah, that was really um, good. So, so yeah, uh, but with her portrayal in Umbridge, um, 
The only difference was that in the books, she seemed uh, even more evil as far as, you know, the ministry and stuff. And they, they pulled back and really made it kind of uh, an actual human more character, I thought, for, for uh, Imelda there. So. You know, I don't know. I thought she was pretty evil, especially during that one scene when Fred and George are comforting this one child, you know, because his hand is all cut open. And she comes by and she's sort of like, you know, you know naughty children deserve to be punished. And she just said it in such a way that made you want to punch her. I was punch. appalled at her. <laughs> just, just for argument's sake, punch her where? <laughs> I, I, I forgot. Because sometimes it could be worse than shooting. And um, Oldman's too short, so he he deserves some form of punishment as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> this is just stretching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there was another umbrage scene when uh, you go into her office for the first time. I, maybe it was the first time when Harry's called in to do the do the lines. Uh, it's a close-up of her desk and the pens, and one's just a little crooked, so she just takes her finger and she slides it just a little bit. It was perfect. Like, there's little touches you can really appreciate with Michael Goldenberg, the screenwriter. So, any other scenes we want to talk about? I thought, oh, Bellatrix. Oh, man, she was nuts, wasn't she? There, there's a couple of uh, Bellatrix in the queues uh, down there. Sorry, I was going to say lines, but I have to say Q. Was she, was she at the L.A. Pre- premiere? Bellatrix. No, no, she was only at the uh, England premiere. Because at the UK premiere, she she's just as wild in person as she <laughs> yeah, is. She's this crazy on dress on. She looks crazy. She's like crazy. It, you're you're afraid to walk up to the woman. Yeah. Yeah. You got to give them a lot of credit when they show up to the premiere it's, in character. In character, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she was she was nut job. Yeah, yeah. Helena Bonham Carter is is really good in the movies that she does, and I, I was worried at first that um, you know Bellatrix was going to take away from some. I mean, she's obviously a very you know figurehead of the Death Eaters, but I also like Jason Isaacs as Lucius Malfoy in that movie, and I felt they gave him a sufficient enough role as well, so that Bellatrix and Lucius, you really got the, the sense yeah. of the Death Eaters by playing up his role as well as hers. Yeah, and it was just and also paying attention to Neville's backstory yeah. in the movie was gonna, very nice I've got to say though um, I didn't like those masks the Death Eater masks uh, they oh each, yeah each Death Eater Except had they were rabbits yeah yeah had their own, own individual design they, I guess WB just thought it was cool so to, I guess maybe to separate the Death Eaters I don't know but yeah, they did change them. I do want to say one thing about Helena. Uh, she was in, quoted, she had, did an interview, late, uh, I think it was a few days ago, about the film. And she was actually upset with the way that um, her character ended up in the movie. She said that she wanted to have that pink hair, but they wanted to change it. The directors decided to change it to not confuse her with Umbridge. And I don't think that would have confused, mixed her too much. Yeah, it's, it, it's a little... Huh? Um, I'm I can't think of any two characters the, the less alike, really. To be honest. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking about the wrong interview. But yeah. either way, either way, maybe, maybe it was Tonk. She was upset that the hair, whatever. I'm, um, I'm lost now. Huh? Just quickly, speaking of the Death Eaters, the way that they flew in, kind of, uh, in the dark shroud, like I wasn't sure exactly how I felt about that until the Order made their entrance pure white light. Get your hands off my godson. Ugh. You know. <laughs> That was that, I loved that so so it was it was very well done. The other line I loved I loved I loved you could totally appreciate is when um, is uh, oh god what's his name? Serious. No, not serious. Sorry, get back to me in a minute. I'll think of it. 
I'm totally blanking now. Huh? Why don't we talk a bit about movie six? Because we wouldn't discuss that and say oh, yeah. whether... Obviously, book seven's coming out soon, and do you think that... That's going to be dark, obviously. It's going to be a bloodbath, she said. Um, so do you think movie six is going to be affected by that? I'm very happy that uh, Yates will be on for Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. He's very excited about that, he said himself. But there's something... I think it really makes a difference when a director... Uh, directs two films in a row. We've only seen that with Chris Columbus, of course, and I thought he did a good job carrying movie one into movie two. Uh, so I'm looking for it not, although Laura's like, oh, but movie one and well, movie two know, sucked. I, I do think the first two movies sucked, sorry, but um, <laughs> I will not deny that they led in, that movie one led in very well into movie two. Yeah, but Yates is going to be able to carry this darkness from Order of the Phoenix into Half-Blood Prince. And when there's more continuity, which I think there will be, the, the only one thing affecting this is that um, Goldenberg will not be screenwriting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wish he was. I thought he was fabulous, really. I mean, yeah. I think for the first time we really got a script that was true to the books, true to the characters, especially Ron. I mean, we actually saw... We actually saw Ron as he should be in this film. Not because of Rupert Grint, because Ru- I mean, Rupert is fabulous. He's been fabulous in all the films, but we really saw a script that did him justice, so I was yeah. very glad about that. Are we talking loud enough at the back? Okay, good. Sorry, I'm being paranoid. Yeah, okay. I'm done. Eric? Um, flashbacks in movie five I thought were handled well. So, um, because it really got, um, especially the scenes well with the Mirror of Arisa, were kind of creepy with... With yeah, Voldemort and apart from apart from the one when Harry's at platform nine through gorgeous and Voldemort standing there in a suit, because <laughs> everyone else is walking past. Do you know what it's like? It's like on airplanes when you look at the pictures of the people putting the oxygen masks on and they're smiling. You know, because <laughs> normally when when they drop down, you aren't going to be happy, and it's just like that. All these people were walking past Voldemort, completely ignoring him, whereas Harry was like, "Oh no!" Harry was just having a vision, I guess. No, but I mean, he must have realised he was having that because everyone else. You know, if Lord Voldemort materialized and you feared him for 15 years, you, you don't just hurry up and catch him. But he just train. gets in the zone, because just, ima- just imagine you're standing right here and Voldemort shows up right there. What are you going to do? You're not going to be like, is everyone see him? Or are you just going to stare at him? No, but like, you wouldn't just walk past him carrying a suitcase. You'd be no, like... Not, no, 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 I'm saying, if you personally saw Voldemort standing right there, what would you do? Would you be like, hold up, everyone, do you see him? Or at first you like... I'd check myself into a hospital immediately, because he's a fictional character, so I'd be very worried. <laughs> Good point. Voldemort was back, that he could sort of just be standing there at the train station and everyone would walk past him and not have the slightest clue. That's right. what I thought it was. Right. It was absolutely brilliant, yeah. I think from a director standpoint, it was also just because to get Voldemort in there early, to start scaring people early early in the movie. Oh, and especially some of the some of the sequences where he was just running down the corridor and like, yeah, right at the screen. It was really good. And with movie six, I felt, you know, since movie five paid attention to uh, the same recurring actors for Lily and James and, and, and all of those flashbacks, I think I actually have immense trust in them doing the Voldemort childhood whole backstory, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays into the rest of what's going on in the movie, but I wouldn't pick a better team than... I was disappointed in, and probably all of you were, the marauder, marauders. Where are the marauders? You know, you're sitting there thinking it, it's a pretty pivotal piece of information, at least for Harry. He needs to know who his father's friends were. Right. And they never included it. And you didn't even really see Lily, did you? No, she didn't appear. They passed it. They shot it. Exactly. Yeah. It, it must be a deleted 
seen or something. Yeah. They have to put it in. People really got two seconds. People really got their hopes up because it's we my had these, chapter in the entire series. Yeah, and these pictures leaked online. So we're like, check out these scenes yeah. from the from the flashbacks. So it was like, they cool, we're gonna. Lily. But it's There's so fast. Of, you know, yeah. Her yelling at James. Yeah. yeah. And, and those scenes were just very quick anyway. Mm. So. I'm not too terribly certain that you can blame movie five for the lack of the Marauders, though, because um, they took it out of. Yeah, and I thought that was such an important part. Of the that film, was such an important part. They completely missed that out. They didn't explain it. So, so I think um, yes, I was a little bit disappointed that they turned it into just a quick memory. But that scene did wonders. I thought Alan Rickman did wonders when when he came back and he kicked, kicked Harry out and was just. I mean, yes, I'm disappointed it wasn't the longest scene. Um, but I, I would say that movie three should have included a lot of the Marauders early on, and now they've just got to keep moving ahead with what they've got to show you. Yeah. So anyway, book, back to uh, Half-Blood Prince, which we were going to be talking about. Uh, two, two, new, two new roles that we want to talk about. Slughorn, who has not been casted yet, and then also Tom Riddle, who there were open casting calls, and I believe David Heyman said that they did find someone, but the contract wasn't done yet, so they weren't ready to announce I, I mean, but also the thing with Voldemort, and, you know, Tom Riddle is that he's completely different ages in all different yeah. parts of the books. So you need a child one, you need one when he goes and gets the job, one when he's working at Borgen and Bergs and he goes to see Hepzibah Smith. So you need all, all different ones. And Christian Coulson now is getting a bit old because you know well, he, he's definitely he, out of. Yeah. he's not coming back. You couldn't have an eleven-year-old with like a full face and stubble like he's yeah. got, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But. I'm going to be extremely interested to see who they who they cast for. I know a lot of people want Henry Cavill. Is that no, no, no maybe not. The, the, uh, there was this petition just before Christian Coulson got passed for this guy. He's a very good he's a good actor. If anyone's seen The Count of Monte Cristo, the, the film he plays the um, can't remember his name, but uh, yeah, he'd have been good. But Slughorn, I just have no idea. It's could have done it really well and they yeah, could have got really something. Have I think he's, he, he's, he's the only person I can think of. They do that in drama. Yeah, I mean, something. obviously we didn't know Slughorn when they cast movie. the first movie yeah. and they put him as Vernon, but I think he could have done Slughorn better than anyone else. Yeah. Well, if you cut him out of uh, Half-Blood Prince, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dursley. Different clothes. Yeah, exactly. Nobody will know the difference. I was reading an article um, a while ago where they just did a prediction of, you know, who would make good actors and whatever, and I saw, um, I think they had Elizabeth Hurley as Bellatrix, which would be interesting because I would have liked to see Helena Bonham Carter as Merope gone. They've got to cast the Gaunts as well as in, in this film, if yeah, you know. But um, for Slughorn, Bob Hoskins, uh, does anyone know? Pl- played Smee and Hook. His family's in the audience him. tonight. He was, on, he, was on the, um, he was on John Ross the same night Joe was, and she was all like, and, she, and he was all, haven't you written me apart yet? And, and she, she's like, oh no, because she, sp- she met him before book six. Apparently there's someone in book seven that she thinks he could play in the seventh movie. Ooh. That's, know, a, that's a really good room. So Bob Hoskins. Now he's British, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought we'd see it. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know what one she meant. So, okay. You want to move on now to a segment that we play often on the show? Yeah. One last is... quick final thought over here. What about Dame Judi Dench for Helga Hufflepuff, or that woman? Hepzibah Smith. Hepzibah Smith. Hepzibah Smith is supposed to be a very large No, but woman I, I heard Dench's. she was going to be in six. I don't know where I heard or read that, but... Oh, I didn't. Judy Dench, is she English? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And it's Dame. Sorry, Dame. I don't know. Give me a break. Give Dame me a break. Judy okay, Dame. I hit a nerve. I see that. Okay, I'm sorry. Jeez. If I, if I ask you guys who Kelly Ripa is, would you know? Okay, thank you. Everyone knows who Kelly Ripa is in America. Yeah, but it could be like a friend of yours. You know one knows. No, it's not. She's a big TV star. Anyway. 
Okay, okay. So Judy Dench. I, I thought that Judy Dench played Madame Hooch, but that was just my own confusing. Uh, thank you, yeah. thank you. Okay, um, so we're going to play a segment now uh, that we do on the show a lot. It's, it's a pretty recent segment, everyone seems to like it. I hope everyone likes it. What's it called? Make the Connection. Everyone know it? Live! Okay, Live. now. Huh? Making the Connection. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to make the connection. And. Um, I've been quite harsh on everyone here since, you know, it's book seven and everyone's friends here, so they won't be angry at me for very long. So, Laura, do you want to go first? Do you want to explain it first? Okay, yeah, yeah. For, sorry, for everyone who doesn't listen to the show or doesn't know this section, uh, basically, Make the Connection is you have to make a connection, any connection you like, between Harry Potter and something completely random. It can be absolutely anything. I started off sort of doing objects or something like that, and now I've gone into, like, just ridiculous acts that I don't know how I thought of in a million years um, so yeah and so it, it, it can be incredibly difficult when there's literally no connection at all and you have to pull one out of somewhere um, so Laura do you want to go first yeah I'll, I'll get it over with okay, <laughs> that's a good one because this one's pretty tough okay Laura you have to make a connection between Harry Potter and setting a pillow on fire using only friction <laughs> okay um, well, I would say that um, setting a pillow on fire using only friction would be a, uh, a project that would take a very long time, and it would be quite difficult. And, of course, Harry is uh, trying to find the Horcruxes, which is also a very long and tedious project. <laughs> okay, Eric, yours is a Little Mermaid reference. So... You have to make the connection between Harry Potter and using a fork as a hairbrush, and you get extra points if you can name what the object was called in The Little Mermaid, um, that when they used a fork as a hairbrush. That object was called a dingle hopper. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I believe the pipe was called the dingle hopper. When Scuttle oh. uh, had these two objects, the pipe was the oh, dingle no. hopper. In fact, if... Anyone knows, I have a ticket to the VIP party afterwards, so if anyone knows, first person to shout it out gets a ticket to the VIP party. <laughs> Back there. Who was that over there? Oh, it was a dingle hopper. Oh, do I get the VIP? James Clear. <laughs> Can we just forget the last two minutes ever happened, please? <laughs> right, um, so I, you can have half of VIP tickets. You can come for <laughs> okay, half the time. Uh, so am I making the connection? Yeah, yeah. Right, well, well, there are, are mermaids in the Black Lake, of course, and they even made it into the movie a little bit, so uh, that, was, that was quite good. So um, I predict that um, oh, maybe, maybe with uh, well, the, the bird's name, Scuttle. Scuttle, right? Yeah, Scuttle. Um, the mermaids uh, obviously can't communicate to humans, especially uh, with Dumbledore gone, uh, because he was you know, the only one who could speak mermish. Um, so now they're going to have to use other means of uh, communication and finding out what's going on in the wizarding world, obviously, now that they can't talk to Dumbledore. So uh, I think they might enlist the help of Hedwig. I thought that was very good, Eric, but one particular thing that stood out for me was that you referred to the Little Mermaid instead of the actual act of using the fork as a hairbrush. Oh, the actual act of yeah, using the fork yeah. as a hairbrush. I mean, don't worry. This oh, isn't oh, really well, important. Well, but, well, you know. I, as you can, well, what do you think the house elves brush their hair with? Do you, do you think they have a hairbrush sitting around down, in, down underneath the kitchens, or do they have forks? They have and forks. That causes quite a bit of concern, of course, for, for some of the students who are eating from those forks. Yeah. <laughs> this is all very true. Um, Kevin, you ready? 
guess. <laughs> your, your one is, you have to make a connection between Harry Potter and going to Starbucks and finding out they've run out of espresso. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, I, I guess it would be similar to going to Hogsmeade and finding out they have no butterbeer. Huh? 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 <laughs> Good. Okay, and Andrew, um, your one is, and there's a story to tell after he's done this, but your one, Andrew, is Harry Potter and pulling out your iPhone, Apple iPhone, at every available opportunity. I don't pull it out every. Uh, Andrew, do you? It's just always conveniently <laughs> with me. That's all. It's just, just convenient. Go for um, it. It's worthless over here, though. So I mean, because I don't get the signal. Uh, okay. Uh, what, what's it is again? Harry. Stop trying to stall, just do it. I just want to know what Harry Potter and pulling out your iPhone at every available opportunity. Emphasis on the every available... I'm not saying you do this or anything, but you know. I got this, I got this. All right. Uh, In every available opportunity, Percy Weasley, as a prefect, will always lay the smack down on students. Yes? No? People not happy with that? I thought that was good. He pulls out his... That, that was okay. Right. Hogwarts prefect. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Big head boy. Okay, the backstory. You guys come up with something better. No. In okay. fact, that is a challenge we're going to take up in about two minutes. But first of all, this iPhone. Andrew, when he went back home, he bought an iPhone. Okay, so I did. Now, I heard about this before I even saw this thing. He brings it out at every opportunity he can. Like, so I'll say to him, <laughs> say to him Andrew, what's the time? Oh, let me pull out my Apple iPhone and check for you. <laughs> the only reason this joke exists is because we were doing a panel on Book 7 at uh, Enlightening last week. And uh, I had my phone out because I had just gotten it, so I like to click it. And uh, it, it, it rang, and it was on the highest ring possible. I was like, sorry, that's my Apple iPhone. Yeah, but, you, no, 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 that isn't true. You bring it out all the time. Like, you'll bring it out just to bring it out and put it back in your pocket. Or, that's not true. Or you'll pretend you're checking something. So I'll bring it out, look at it, frown, then put it back in your pocket. <laughs> that's not true. I do listen to MuggleCast on it, though. I hope everyone oh, else oh, with their iPhone. I, I forgot. And he tries to be clever. I'm sorry, Andrew, but he, he tries to be clever because... That, that is obviously a phone as well as an iPod, right? So what you can do is pick it up and use it by a phone, but he insists on plugging his headphones in and then holding it out like a businessman on a train or something like that. So, I don't know. I'm, I like the iPhone. See, look, and he's showing up his musical capabilities now. So. Oh, I like it. So, anyway... Good song. I'll be there when they're touring. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. We should we should open for them. We should do like a podcast yeah, when the Spice oh, Girls will come out. Uh, okay. I have two VIP t- tickets here, and we want to do a make the connection live. So we're going to bring two people up, and um, the person who does the best will will vote on it with an audience cheer, wins the ticket. So who wants to do it? Yeah. And so you go and you come up. And uh, here, talk, talk into this microphone right here. First, uh, first, oh yeah, you can, you can come up here. Uh, say, uh, say your names and where you're from. Oh, here, hold on, wait a second. I think, yeah, talk, talk into this mic. Uh, I'm Nina, I'm from Norway. Oh, Norway. Oh, wait a second. Were you one of the people out front here? In the front of the queue? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We're well, like way in the front now. Oh, okay. How long have you been, were you waiting in the queue line? Uh, no. Oh. We, were, we were standing with people from Norway who were waiting in the queue line. Okay, yeah. There's been people yeah. there for, for three days now since, I think, Wednesday at 2 p.m.? Yeah. yeah. Big shout-out. Big shout-out to the people in the queue line right now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's your name and where are you from? 
Hi, I'm Joe. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Glad to see you came dressed up for the event. I have my hat there. You had to? No, I have my hat. Oh, oh, you have your hat too. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay, Jamie? Okay. Oh, wizard hat. Okay, so uh, since we're in a bookstore, okay, and, you know, it has to be something to do with books, you have to make a connection between Harry Potter and the Waterstones business strategy book section. Go. Well, um, they're having a lot of uh, Harry Potter fans here and a lot of um, um, media people. And it could be similar to Rufus trying to employ Harry into the ministry as their poster boy. Yeah, that's my connection. What is it? Huh? What is it? What's what? What is like the business thing? Oh, oh that thing there. There's a strategy. Do we just look at the closest sign and fill in the blank? Yeah. Okay. And yours is. I was I was outside yesterday just taking a look at the the queue, and I saw two people from Sky News, uh, which is like a satellite TV station here. And the cameraman had a very nice shirt on. So can you make a connection between Harry Potter and the Sky News cameraman's very nice shirt, please? Well, business strategies usually help you get money, and money usually makes people happy. And reading the Harry Potter books make people happy, too. I'd have to say that was good, but it wasn't your question. (laughs) There was, um, do it, I saw a guy with a very nice shirt on, okay? So it's a connection between Harry Potter, let's make it a bit easier, Harry Potter and wearing nice clothes. Well, everybody everybody likes nice clothes, too. (laughs) <laughs> and, it, and everyone likes Harry Potter too Round of applause please for everyone. Okay, okay so let's judge this thing If you thought that First one was the best Cheer it up please And if you thought the second one was the best I think we have a winner. There you go. Thank you very much. Well done. Thanks for playing. Thank you very much. There's uh, All right, what's next, Jamie? What is next? Uh, we have a schedule that we try to... Uh, okay, we want to talk about what's next, because in all these newspapers and, and in all the interviews with Potter fans, you always see, well, what's going to happen after the seventh book comes out? Is Harry Potter over? What, what are you going to do? Is your life over? You know, what are you, what's going to happen? So, there's like, there's, there's, I think there's a, f- a group on Facebook that, like, my life ends on July 21st or something yeah. like that. I hope they don't mean it literally, but... Uh, I hope they don't mean it literally. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, who, what, what's your... Well, I, just, I just want to ask, what does that mean? Does anyone have any thoughts about what is going to happen to, like, the fandom, what's going to happen to all the Harry Potter fans? Because I've always associated sort of Harry Potter with the books, you know, obviously. And the movies are good, but they're a completely different franchise. Even though the movies are going to carry on, and I'm still going to look forward to them, we can still talk about them, theorise about them, uh, I think Harry Potter's going to be over in three hours, 30 minutes now. So, do you want to have any thoughts on that? Hold on, let's say it into the mic. Doing it. They're all going... Uh, is there a special? There is a special yeah, helpline, isn't there? Line. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like, buy these books. Buymugglenet.com. Seriously, Waterstones, it was, it was on the news. They've set up a helpline. A child line for people to call in. Is there a specific Harry Potter number, a child Yes. Can we see it real quick? Potter's trauma. But I think one thing that's going to be missing is the hype. 
Uh, for, for the past 10 years, we've always had this great hype to look forward to. Like, okay, oh my god, what's going to happen to Chamber Secrets? But, and now Prison of Azkaban, God of Fire, Order of the Phoenix, Happened to Friends, and now this book. And I think that that's going to be gone, and we're going to be missing that the most. Because think about it now. How, how, how much longer do we have? Uh, about three hours now. Three hours to go. Yeah. Three hours and 57 minutes of that clock's hours, right. Yeah. And think about how much hype is going on now. What uh, is going to happen in the final book? So I think that's going to be gone. There's still going to be that movie hype, but it's just not the same as the book hype because we know what happens in the movie. But, but don't you think that, you know, e- even, though, even after all seven books are out, Joe cannot write everything. She cannot explain absolutely everything that we've been theorizing because the Harry Potter fandom is not small. And people theorize about everything. You know, some of the fan fictions you read are just... Wrong. Stomach wrong, yeah. <laughs> wrong in every possible way. Yeah. But, um, you know, people love theorizing about every minor detail. So, you know, she can't explain everything. So people will still talk about, well, what happened if this happens? What happened if that happened? What happened to this character? What happened to Nigel? That's going to be the important yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> what did so, happen to Nigel? What will happen to him? Um, so, yeah. Do you think people are still going to, you know, theorize and stuff? Star Trek has survived and Star Wars has survived as long as they're Harry Potter fans it will survive, we have the fanfics there are a huge amount of really good fanfics out there and if we keep on having people like MuggleNet or other uh, internet sites no I'm not going to mention them, don't worry don't name that one that other podcast to be very sincere I felt a little scary sometimes when you say, no, I was not able to do the podcast because I need to do some work from school, and I have to go here, and I have to go there, and all of a sudden I say, oh my God, what's going to happen when these kids are going to the university, they have three tests, they have to (laughs) do their master's degree, and there's no more MuggleNet. You see, you you take me out of a depression. (laughs) No Solop, no Paxil, no nothing else worked. You worked, and I'll really need the model net. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice. That's very nice. Uh, I'm sorry, man, but September 1st, I'm done. We're all done. I'm going to have to phone that special number now after you've said that, because that's just depressing. Yeah. But... I, will, I don't think we're going to stop doing it. No, no, not at all. We're not going to stop, at least in the foreseeable future. But I think yeah. that MuggleNet will definitely always be there as a resource. I mean, at the, we've been asking ourselves, what's going to happen once the book comes out? How many people are going to still visit MuggleNet? How many people are still going to listen to podcasts? Is everyone still listening to podcasts once we're done? Please? Please? Okay. Surprise of you. I didn't hear the fifth floor. Can we hear their... Uh... Okay, okay. <laughs> Just checking. All right. Just want to make sure they're still alive up there. <laughs> oh, God. They're going to start kicking down the ceilings in a second. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. I'm sorry I encouraged that. Please stop. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bad idea. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. There's a lawsuit coming. I can smell it. Oh, God. Okay. If we stop doing this show, it's because we've had to pay for loads of light fittings in every <laughs> place oh, we go to. Oh, God, that's wow. slightly embarrassing. Okay, Oops. so anyway, what do you think is going to happen after the... I think that definitely, I think after Book 7 comes out, things are going to change. There's no doubt about that. We're going to know all the answers. And even if Joe puts out a special book, I don't think the theorizing is going to be quite the same because it's all going to be about the little things, you know, the little loose ends. Um, I mean, you could always theorize about what could have been, 
But it, it really depends on if you like that sort of thing. That tends to be more restricted to fan fiction authors, which yeah. props to fan fiction authors. I, I think fan fiction is a wonderful outlet. But um, yeah. I, think that, I think that the fan sites will become eventually, not immediately, but eventually they'll become somewhat archival. Kind of like if you see some of the Lord of the Rings fan yeah. sites. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I also think that what's going to happen is it's going to carry a loyalty. Sort of like Lord of the Rings or Narnia, for example, where there's still groups of people who remember, you know, wanting to get the yeah. books and the experience leading up to it. But I don't think it's going to be the exact same fandom. Harry Potter is a very uniting force. You know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you're forever a Harry Potter fan. Right. And, you know, I mean, when people ask about what we, what we do, you know, and, and the podcast, I mean, I always say, and Emerson, you know, says the same, that we run it with our friends. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're lifelong friends now, and I, I know, you know, all of you, because of Harry Potter, will have made lifelong friends. So I, th- I think it's all going to carry on, and the fandom won't die just because the books yeah. have stopped coming out. As for J.K. Rowling writing uh, a, another Potter book, I mean, she's, she's, she's been quoted in an interview, Never Say Never. However, uh, what is more feasible is her writing another series. And there was an article I was reading the other day that said, Joe, Joe said uh, that it, it, it's a possibility. She has an idea for a book. I think, she's right, she, I think she's working on another children's book right now. It's just like a younger children's book. It's not in the same sense of Harry Potter. But I definitely would not rule it out for Joe. No, and uh, it's hard to imagine the Harry Potter lexicon being completed uh, because, you know, that's obviously relied, you know, specifically on what's canon content and stuff like that. But our site does not. Our site um, and our podcast can rely on pretty much anything as long as there's current events in Harry Potter, yeah. you, know, you know, to go on. Yeah. And I'm, I'm certain that for a while after the, uh, Book 7 is released will be, wow, the shock and awe episodes of MuggleCast. And the rest will be, you know, possibly looking back and seeing where things might have been influenced yeah. before. And uh, we've still got some things to look forward to. The Harry Potter theme park, for instance, opening yeah. 2010. Yes. Which, which would be amazing. I mean, and, and that Joe, Joe is directly involved in that. JKR, since the beginning, has been immensely into that. So there, there'll still be content, just in different formats, you know. And, and HPEF, for instance, uh, the people who did Lumos and Prophecy are still... I have events planned at least till 2010 now. There'll be gatherings, there'll be events. It, it, it won't be such as a, a worldwide bookstore. We, we have a theory that uh, with the theme park, we think that the theme park proves that Harry is going to live, because why would you go to a theme park about a dead character? You, know? <laughs> you wouldn't do it. The, the atmosphere there would just be dreadful. But we, we should probably explain to everyone on the fifth floor, um, when you stomp down, because you know, we didn't explain it, one of the lights is now malfunctioning right under your feet. So. Can I get a shot of that? Though? We're not encouraging any more of this odd yeah. behavior, but... Uh, <laughs> no shooting, no hitting, no yeah. breaking lights, nothing. But, uh, all right, so I think now we'll, we'll start taking some questions from the audience. Just a few, because we have to, we have to wrap this up pretty soon. And uh, you want to start taking questions here? Let's... Uh, Oh, we have a thought. You know, when we run about what we're going to do when the book ends. Well, in Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore says, I will only be gone from Hogwarts from when those who are truly loyal to me stop or something. Well, it's like with Harry Potter, it'll only be gone when people stop being loyal to the books. So it's just going to go on forever. That's true. That's true. The magic will always be there. The thing with the fandom is it can only get bigger. There can only be more people who are introduced to the books, and once they reach a certain age to read and, and, and read the books, it can only get bigger. And these books are timeless, you know, people forget. It's just like Lord of the Rings, you know. These books are going to continue to be read for generations to come. I mean, right. We're just going to like tell our grandkids 
to read the books and we're going to brainwash a whole new generation and then it's just going to start yeah. all over again. And yeah. Right. Let's take a question. Yeah. Let's take a question over here. Yep. Say your name, where you're from, too. So. Hi, my name's Steph, and I'm from Australia. So. Ooh, come here just yeah. for the book. Um, in relation to Movie 5, um, we were just wondering about the whole Cho thing. Like, that was never resolved at the end, and how's that going to transition, like, well, into Movie 6? Yeah, I wanted to bring that up earlier. The way it was resolved was Cho ratted, ratted out Harry, ratted her mind being in um- Umbridge's office. So... I, that's, that was explained that way. They, Cho ratted them out, so the relationship is cut yeah, off. I think there's a shot. It was later explained with Veritaserum, though, that, that Snape actually gave his last Veritaserum to, for Umbridge, so there was kind of that uneasy moment where Harry realized that he couldn't, shouldn't be mad at Cho because she was actually forced uh, by oh, really? Umbridge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't realize so, that. So it is that's unresolved. what I mean. Like He just didn't do anything about it, and it yeah. kind of seems like a bit of an ass. <laughs> Supposed to get together with Ginny in the next film, yeah. And it, it seems it does seem a bit odd for somebody who hasn't read the books to go and say, "Well, why is he still mad at her? She didn't do it on purpose." Yeah, that's so what we were just. We thought maybe they'll resolve it, it in the beginning. I don't know. They, they always run into problems like this He'll with the walk movies. Up and hit her. The that seems to be a great thing tonight. The one thing we, we haven't talked about, which uh, I thought was dreadful, was the kiss. I thought it was so awkward. It was unbelievable. And th- this camera panned around their bodies, so I, just to show that it was only a kiss, you know. It was, I just, I thought it was nice. I thought it was awful. That was good characterization, though, for the room of requirement. You know, she needed mistletoe to appear, and it was right above them. I thought that was, yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Hold on, wait wait a second for the microphone. I'm Sarah Robles from Las Vegas. I foresee the, oh, yeah, Vegas. Uh, I foresee the books being used as teaching tools. We are already seeing it happen. There's an analysis of the good, the bad, the philosophy examination, teaching kids to read the books, to dig for the clues. Yeah, yes. And, and the, the Church of England is already working on something for the kids to relate. So it is such a massive teaching tool, and it's gotten yeah. so many people to read again. Yeah. So the, just there's so many teachers already building classes where their whole theme is going to be based around the Harry Potter series starting next year as well. That is completely true because, um, you know, the books contain so many messages, moral messages, good versus evil, choices versus fate, you know, all these kind of things disguised as a, as a you know, fiction, fiction novel. So, yeah, I can, I can really see that happening. Kevin? Well, I was going to say, um, the gatherings like Prophecy, Lumos, and stuff like that, they tend to be leaning towards that where their, their sole purpose is to educate people on how Harry Potter can be used to, you know, open the world of literature to children. Right. And, you know, it's only, it really is a matter of time until it gets into American schools, too. We haven't seen many... We haven't seen there many... Already Ameri- is. There are? Okay. Yes. Because, like, in my high school... Here right now and on the, on the fan trip that we've been with that oh, okay. are creating things and, and just, just to get those kids to dig for those clues, to find the analysis... To compare the good to the bad, yeah. controlling one's anger, uh, to keep bad things from happening. Those things are already in the works in, in the States and all over. Yeah. But that is a weird thing. I mean, to everyone here in school in Britain, school, college, uh, university, you know, we take pretty standard subjects, but one of my friends who I met through Harry Potter is taking a class in the US in Harry Potter. Which, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I just to take that. Like in my school, we have an English uh, curriculum that is so 
I don't want to say it's bad, but none of the kids enjoy it. And what's the point in teaching us how, how to read, how to analyze books when we can't really enjoy it? Kids always ask our teachers, why not, why not do Harry Potter? It is a deep book, but I don't think many teachers get it yet. Some are starting to. It's a good point. But uh, you know, it's just a matter of time before everyone realizes, wow, they're not just children's books. So you can really read into them. Are you going to be in va- back in Vegas soon? Yes. Will you be at our live podcast on the 24th? If I can get a ticket. Okay, they're free. It's free. I'll get you a tour of the Air Force Thunderbirds in return for it. I have connections. To what? To what? United States Air Force Thunderbirds. I can get oh, you a personal tour out there. Nice Air Force one, Thunderbirds. One. Comparative to your Red Arrows. Oh really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Visit MuggleCast.com for more information today. Okay. No, 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 no. Come and talk to us at the end. Yeah. <laughs> can we uh, another another question? We'll go over here. I've seen you at the. March um, podcast, right? My name is Rhea. I'm from West London. Hi. I thought maybe someone else might be making some Horcruxes because um, Joe said that um, there might be another form of Dumbledore coming back. I think she said that in an interview. Or a form of someone who has died coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe someone who has quite a lot of power and has quite a lot of like wizarding knowledge would like decide to make one. Like Slughorn or Dumbledore, for instance, because... Slughorn is actually quite scared of death and scared of um, Death Eaters finding him. Yeah. What I was going to say is um, I've often wondered if other Death Eaters haven't created Horcruxes. And the reason being is maybe not seven, obviously, but look at Beelatrix, for example. She's nuts. And you often wonder to yourself, maybe it's because of her thinking along the lines of Voldemort. She's also considered his one of his most loyal servants, so yeah. maybe that's why. I think that's definitely and Snape possible. as well, because he's he's definitely one like a big person in the books, a big role. Um, maybe like he ha- he's in something that Dumbledore might have told him. I think it may be. I think it's possible. Absolutely. I'm not sure that Snape would fear death enough to want to make Horcruxes, um, and I think it's definitely possible that there are other wizards in the books who have done it. Um, I'm not sure that we'll actually see anything along those lines because a lot of the book's going to be dedicated to finding Voldemort's yeah. Horcruxes. Yeah, and also, how does Slughorn know about Horcruxes like that much? And also, and also, um, I heard a theory the other day that Slughorn could be evil because when Dumbledore and Harry went round to his house and he transferred everything and he was himself a chair. Unorthodox, but uh, and he said, you know, Dumbledore said, well, you you didn't finish, did you? And he said, no, I didn't set the dark mark above my above my house, and didn't exactly only only yeah only uh, only Death Eaters and evil people know how to conjure the dark mark. But Snape, I'd say, I've always ranked like witches and wizards in the in, in the Harry Potter community, sorry, in the books on terms of power, and I've always had Voldemort and Dumbledore at the top, and then just below them, well, sorry, no, quite a way below them, but above everyone else by far was Snape. Yeah. I mean, he's such a powerful person. It's unbelievable. Definitely. So I, I, he could do it, but like Laura said, I don't think he would. Yeah. Let's take uh, yeah that, that girl up there with the wand up. Hurry, hurry up here real quick though. And uh, it, it get you up here. Like it it yeah. does pay out a wand. <laughs> this is an. Uh, what, what's your name? Shaw. Ah, Shaw. Yeah. I knew it. Hi, Shaw. Shaw, where are you from? I'm from the Philippines. Yes. Yes. I flew here for this. Um, anyway, I was just uh, thinking that the books are all about magic, right? And we think about magic in such a way that it's possible to do impossible, like things that, you know, flying or yeah. ap- ap- apparating. But then the true magic is that 
Come to think of it, the true magic is that I'm here. I'm from the Philippines. I <laughs> saved up my money not eating and fly oh, no. <laughs> all over here just for the book launch. And I think the true magic is everywhere in here. All the people gathering around, um, congregating like this, like we're all good friends. I think that's the true magic of Harry Potter. It transcends from all of those <laughs> things, really. So that's all I have to say, I think. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I think, after, I think after that, everyone's going to need the phone number for Childline now. <laughs> read, wow. read it out real quick. I mean, <laughs> you might as well plug it. it, it it's not there, which is oh. useful. Oh, man. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I got a question right here, little girl in the head. Um, What's your I've name? Got, Where are you from? Oh, my Sorry. name is Neha, and I'm from South Carolina. Hi. Oh, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach? Myrtle Beach? No, I'm from Columbia. Ah, okay. Um, I, I have a lot of friends that don't read Harry Potter because... Um, they say that it's like, like have to do with witchcraft, and that's all. It's evil so lame. Yeah, but that um, is old. Oh, old. I, I really Come want them to start new, reading please. those books because they're really good books. And I'm kind of wondering, do you have any ideas how I could do that? Sorry, I have any ideas what? Do you have any ideas how I could do that to help them like start? Oh, how to help them? Oh. Well, they they could read a book. They could. <laughs> they could, they could read it one for themselves. You know. No, I... Yeah. <laughs> coercion works best. Coercion. You know, sneak stuff into their food and say, you know, Kevin, if you Kevin, don't want... How, what would you sneak into their food to make them read it? What do you like, something huh? Vile, so, the book. Something they that might make notice. it taste like... Okay, shooting, hitting people, and poisoning their food? Uh, these are my friends. Harry Potter fans. No, in, all, in all honesty, I think people see it too much as a Harry uh, as a children's book, like a little. Because when you go in there, I guarantee, watch the news tomorrow, and what are you going to see? Nothing but little kids, because it's the cutest thing. It's like, oh, little kids, and credit to you. I, it's it, you know, little kids should be here. They should be enjoying the books just as much as everyone else. But I think people, too many people perceive it as a children's book, That's, like too much of a children's book, which is a shame. But the people don't realize how dark and deep it actually goes. Some people just think they're too cool for Harry Potter. That's. That's the uh, other problem. And let's, and let's briefly mention Laura Mallory. Has anyone heard of Laura Mallory? Yeah. See, I'm sure she's having fun tonight. So. These people yeah. just don't seem to give up. I think she's lost the court case like five times now, and still oh, she insists. Sorry, she hasn't even read the books. Well, her case must must be pretty convincing, then. I would. I'd love to hear it. Like ten years in the making, so people who were kids and now have now like grown up. So it's natural that they're going to want to know how the books end. They're not going to yeah. suddenly stop reading right, because right. it's a kids' book. So yeah, um, I do want to take one last question from. Well, okay, two more because we need to go here first, and then the, some of my favorite people over there. There's there's like twenty of them here tonight, but okay, yeah. Can we just take this question real quick? And sky run everywhere. Okay, uh, the good now the guy in the uh, the, the girls in the brown shirts and the what what's a, a, a Potter case? Have, <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of us? Well, well finale, everybody. It's Just kidding. We're all leaky stuff. Okay, so what's your question? We know this. We know this. We, we have a very again. nasty question for you, but we do have to know. Why did MuggleNet post Book 7 spoilers? Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. I believe. Didn't we... Haven't we always I operated... I knew this would happen. Yeah. Heckle these leaky people. Haven't we always operated a policy where if you go on the site, 
you will not go, get spoiled. When we posted that, you didn't get spoiled, did no, you? No, you did not get spoiled. It was in black. You would have to highlight have to. it to read it. It was there because, okay, what happened for anyone who doesn't know? The Guardian somehow got the opening of the book. Like, first paragraph, nothing, nothing too harmful. And uh, we post, I posted it in, in, in black font, which means it's a black background on MuggleNet, which means you have to highlight it to read I mean, it. Yeah, it isn't as though, you know, you can do it by accident. You don't trip and highlight the text, you know. It's, you know, the people have choices. It is our choices, Harry, that make the difference. So, you know, <laughs> that wasn't the exact quote, though. Right? <laughs> so, in that regard, in that Strongly, we strongly believe that it is our choices that make us who we are. So we think if you want to read this, then go ahead yeah, and exactly. read it. That is it. our justification. Thank you, good night. Yeah, good <laughs> Okay, guys. Guys, seriously. Okay, I know you're saying, okay, fine, it's your choices, oh. but this, this isn't official. You can't post something is before it's official. Really? <laughs> well, wait, what, what did you say? You can't post before it's official, guys. That's, that's not on. Well, we, we said, I, I put there, with the, with the most uh, amount of, I don't remember what I put, but I put very early on in the beginning of that post, we are very skeptical to read this. It's totally harmless. Come on. Why would it do? Oh, yeah, okay. We have, who, okay who read it? Andrew, Everybody I think we should finish this up to this. Does anyone here mind us posting it in black text? No! Well, well, wait, well, wait. So we got, we got the public thing, but I, I think that uh, at that point it was high speculation, wasn't it? It it wasn't, I put, it wasn't I put it this it might not be real at all. But anyway, regardless. And, and to be honest, one I, final one final question. What? Where are you going next? Because we're heading to the pub. If you want to join us. Okay. Uh, we don't. Then we'll drink and we'll talk about this. Okay. Uh, okay. It'll go. It'll go. Subject, okay. One last question. One last question over over here. We'll get this guy. So oh, him run away. Now. Uh, now they're out of here. They 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 made their mess, so they're leaving. Oh, no, they're going back. Someone stop the elevators working so they can't get out. <laughs> okay, uh, this, this girl right here. Um, Hadra from West London. I just had a question about the portrait when Dumbledore died. Um, how much do the portra- uh, portraits actually you know? I mean, does the portrait of Dumbledore know all that he that's, knew in his lifetime? That's very interesting. So that interesting. he's able to help Harry. Well, I think we said before... Um, I think it's just a copy of their personality and not their memory. Maybe, perhaps, the portraits have the ability to store some selective memories that whoever the portrait is of has chosen for the portrait. But I think it's just simply a copy of the personality. I I honestly don't see the portrait coming into play. They can give advice, though, because Phineas Majus was like, you shouldn't do that. doesn't Phineas, Phineas also says, um, you know, in my day, you yeah, know, as headmaster, they, they never... They obviously have feelings and emotions and can, you know, give thoughts on things, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what time are we at here? We are at 20 past nine, so we should probably finish it off. We should probably wrap... Oh, okay. What? What? Can I say something quick? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, yes. <laughs> These blue pillows and everything that you see here tonight, everything, if you can hear us, everything that you can see, all the TV screens you're watching, people on floor five... Is all because of Waterstones. Oh, yes, yes. We, we, do wanna, we do wanna give a great big thank you to, to Waterstones. Can, uh, can someone hold up, Joe, would you be able to hold up that, the Mugglenet, or can someone hold up one of those t shirts that are being given out? Okay, Joe's going to get them. Joe also worked with us. Round of applause for Joe, he's been organizing this whole entire event. Gene, 
Jamie and I met with him uh, only a month ago, and you guys had great plans. We're like, yeah, so. Hey, Eric. Eric, that one's pretty tight. <laughs> yeah, Where do you wear that one? That'll fit you, Eric. There's a shirt. Five pounds. It goes to supporting this whole event. Please buy one. They're, they're fantastic. Can I see them? I haven't even seen it yet. They're, all, they're awesome. I'm going to buy four. There are a few specific people we'd like to thank. Joe here. He's helped us considerably with all the planning. Nairi and Alan. Please give them a round of applause. Of course, the video, audio, video tech crew that you see all around you this evening. Uh, this guy right here, what's your name? David. David and Sonia. Thank you guys very much for doing the microphones. Greatly appreciated. And, uh... oh, oh, yeah, by the way, the pillows, you guys can take home. How sweet is that? <laughs> Uh, nothing else, though. Please, don't take anything else. Uh, we do want someone from floor five to pay for the light bulb that's now broken <laughs> and the wiring costs that will ensue. Of course, we do want to thank everyone else for coming today. Thank you so much for making it out here. We'll, we'll see you in the uh, queue. Yeah, in the queue line. On. Sorry, uh, Andrew, the line. The line. And uh, you'll see this episode uh, tomorrow night, I think. So check it out online. <laughs>